0: I was meeting people in the Middle East and India and Africa who just wanted to rock out to Post Malone and share it with their friends or who just wanted to have a drink and with their family or just these, these simple things that we don't realize until we see it in action. I just realized we're the same. We're all fighting for the same things. We're in this together. Like we're just walking each other home. So it really fostered this kindness and compassion for people who are very different than me.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Plot Twist, the podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Page. I'm a recovering reporter turned podcaster, here to share the plot twists in people's lives and their motivational stories that will inspire us all to live life to the fullest. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to my guest, Ryan Crane. At 30 years old, Ryan was content with his life. He had a steady career, a great relationship, and a high-rise apartment in downtown Oklahoma City. Then, an unexpected phone call changed everything. From there, Ryan ended up traveling around the world to help heal from his grief. Ryan is a first-time author, explorer, and entrepreneur who was born and raised in Mustang, Oklahoma. Now he's living in the small Mexican beach town of Sayulita along the Pacific coast. Gravel Roads is his debut book. It's a memoir highlighting his adventures around the globe and the deeply personal decisions that led to them. His travels have been featured on CNN, the Boston Globe, NPR, and many more. Today, he talks about why he started traveling, the lessons he's learned, and the preconceived notions and biases he realized he had about other cultures and places. He also has some great advice if you're looking to travel and you're not sure where to start. Thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on the podcast. And yeah, I have so many questions and so much that I want to talk about. So, Let's start by talking about what you were doing before your plot twist. So you had a steady job and a comfortable life.
0: I did. I was living and working in downtown Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, which is where I was born and raised. For I lived there for the first 33 years of my life, and just I just lived a normal, simple life. I was in the corporate wellness field, so I was managing corporate wellness programs for large companies to decrease their healthcare costs. I took your standard one to two week vacations to places around the U.S., Canada, and all inclusive resorts in Mexico, and it was a good life. So, I, my all all things considered, I was I was doing well for where I was at thirty three years old.
1: And then, what changed?
0: <laughs> so, probably probably like a lot of people can relate to. I went through a crippling breakup, uh, a really bad breakup, and that was the catalyst. That was what kind of catapulted me catapulted me around the world and into this new wildlife that I'm still living to this day. So it, it was a really blindsided head breakup.
1: And so you had the breakup and then you just decided to get over the breakup, you would just start traveling more?
0: That's exactly right. Um, it didn't happen immediately, but that's that's the short version. So I actually um, I had gotten laid off from Uh, my corporate wellness job in Oklahoma City. And I had planned on taking a summer trip uh, to Europe. I had never been outside the country. I was like, you know what? It's time. It's time for me to go to Europe for the first time. Well, I got laid off and my trip to Europe wasn't for three or four months. So I asked the girlfriend at the time, like, hey, do you care if I just speed things up and go now? I think it was March, March of 2016. I, I had a small severance. The company was still paying me for a few months. I was like, you know, let's go now. She said, yeah, go Uh, Long story short, she ended up breaking up with me over the phone while I was in Europe, like three days later, which was just really blindsided to me. You know, like, go to Europe. Yes, you just got laid off. And then she ends our relationship. I know it was it was shocking. And um, I never saw her again. She she disappeared from my life. She refused to, like, have a face to face conversation. It was strange and it was hard. And so two months later, two months go by, I'm kind of just like struggling mentally, really in this this funk, really depressed, hadn't found another job yet. I decided to take this really random trip to Boston just to get out of my home and neighborhood. And after a long day of exploring, oh, and by the way, I actually came home early from that uh, first year of trip. I was so miserable. I just cut my trip short took this random trip to Boston a few months later and just caught this fleeting smile on my face as I was going to bed one night. And I was like, I was like, what is this smile? I'd never I hadn't smiled in months. And so it was then two or three months after the breakup where I had said, if this is what it takes to heal, I'm just gonna keep traveling. And so that that's right. Like I just kept traveling, but it, it wasn't immediate. It took several months to like process and give myself time and space
1: that is crazy i imagine that would be so tough not getting that closure and just hearing that you're no longer in a relationship over the phone that's terrible
0: yeah it was hard definitely that that was the i think the most confusing thing to me is you know like yeah go to europe you, you deserve it take some time off but then three days later like no explanation nothing just i don't feel the same anymore and i'm, I'm like what
1: And so then you kind of put all of your your time and energy into traveling. How did that happen? Because I think a lot of people are kind of curious about the logistics of how, how you make something like that work.
0: Yeah, definitely. So after I caught that smile on my face, I said, I'm all in on travel. I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't know what it would entail. But I just looked and searched for cheap, reasonable flights to a place I wanted to go And I just went, I would take weekend trips to New York City, to Seattle, I would go to uh, Ecuador for three or four days over a long weekend, I would go to Paris for three or four days over a long holiday, like I just found any way to travel at any time. And I was I was finding that if you're open to anywhere in the world, at any time, you can find some really good deals. You know, if you're locked into one location for very specific dates, you're probably not going to have a lot of um leeway with with price well i was open to anywhere at any time and i was finding some really good prices and so monday through friday i would i ended up finding another job a few months later and i just would work my ass off monday through friday and then travel saturday sunday or monday and that's kind of what i was doing finding these cheap flights and then i took this random trip to southeast asia during one of my longer vacation periods and I met these long-term backpackers and they, I, you know, got to talking with them and I said like, Hey, like, what are you, you know, what are you guys doing here? Where are you from? You know, typical question, do it, ask someone. And they said, well, we're just, we sold everything. We're traveling indefinitely. We have no idea when we're going home. And my little sheltered my I grew up in a very, very small town in Oklahoma. I was very sheltered <laughs> and I was like, long-term travel, what's that? I don't know what i'd never heard of anyone traveling long term before and so they just opened my world i ended up healing you know took me about a year and a half to two years to heal and move through the breakup and once i healed and found out about this long-term travel phenomenon i came back from that trip thinking i can do this like i think i could do this and it took another year to finally build up the courage to do it but i eventually sold everything i owned quit that other job that i had found. And I took a year around the world trip. So I know it's there's a lot of things leading up to it, but that's kind of the the cookie crumbles that I was following.
1: That's amazing to just get rid of all your stuff. I think that's a, a hard thing for people to do. Do you do you think that kind of helped? You know, you were healing. Was it almost kind of cathartic to then just get rid of all of your stuff and just go on this adventure?
0: It yeah, Miranda. It was one of the most liberating feelings I've. Ever experienced in my life. You know, once I had healed and moved through that, to slowly start getting rid of my possessions, to resigning from my job, to buying this one way flight, it was just this liberating feeling, just this adrenaline and dopamine rush. I have only experienced a few times in my life. It was very liberating.
1: And so you bought this one way plane ticket. Where did you go?
0: So I started in Lisbon, Portugal. That was my. That was my first stop. That was actually the first stop where I landed during that very first trip to Europe where I eventually got broken up with over the phone a few days later. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start my journey, my year-long journey, where I started this whole thing. So I I decided to start in Lisbon, Portugal.
1: And then from there, you just traveled the world. How did you decide where you were going and what you were going to do?
0: Yeah, good question. So I I did. I just kept moving east around the world for an entire year. My goal was to, I had two goals. Um, I wanted to be gone for one full year and I wanted to move east around the world so I could uh, circumnavigate the world. And I did that. How I decided to move to the next place were a couple of reasons, a couple of um, stipulations. I wanted to find a reasonable price, uh, whether it was train, plane, bus, ferry, anything. I just wanted to find a reasonable price to a a destination I really wanted to go to. So, you know, if I didn't really want to go to London or Paris, I kind of put that off to the side. But if I found a really cheap flight to Budapest, Hungary, I said, oh, okay, I really wanted to go there. So it was kind of those three things, keep moving east, reasonable price, somewhere I really wanted to go. Those were kind of the three things moving me around the world.
1: And now you've been to, what is it, every continent in over 50 countries?
0: Yep, that's correct.
1: That's amazing. I guess, what have you learned from your travels? You've probably learned a lot and met a lot of amazing and different people.
0: Oh my gosh, how much time do you have? Um, <laughs> I learned more about myself and the world than I, I mean, I, I wrote a book about it. That's how much I had to say about it and it just touched me and changed me so deeply as a human being that words really it's really even hard to describe in words although i tried so first i will say that i just found that we are the same humans all over the world at our deepest core are the same and i know i think a lot of people know that in theory but to see it in reality with someone who is very different than you on the outside, doesn't speak the same language as you, doesn't dress as you same way as you, to see it and to interact with them is a game changer. And I was meeting people in the Middle East, in India, in Africa, who just wanted to rock out to Post Malone and share it with their friends, or who just wanted to have a drink and with their family, or just these these simple things that we don't realize until we see it in action. I just realized we're the same. We're all fighting for the same things. We're in this together. Like we're just walking each other home. So it really fostered this kindness and compassion for people who are very different than me. So that's, that's the main thing. I also, what I also learned is just how deeply, sometimes even like disgustingly privileged I am on a global scale. Like i didn't realize it It was another one of those things where like in theory i know how blessed i am but in reality on a global scale i mean uh, my privilege was just glaring at times and it, it, it took me a lot of time to come to terms with um in the beginning i felt a lot of shame and guilt you know why was i given this life and not not others who were in these crippling abject poverty situations it just it killed me inside. And then it fostered this kind of empathy and gratitude. You know, I don't need to feel bad about my life, but you know, like have compassion. And then like it turned into this, okay, well, how can I do better? How can I be better? And it was a process. So I learned so much about myself, the world. I realized how small and unwise I really am. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to solve all the problems of the world, but like, just be nice to people, just give people grace. And I don't have it all figured out. I don't think anyone has it all figured out. So I think if we can come at people with this, well, wow, I'm a really unwise, small person, and I'm willing to listen to you and see your perspective, that really changed a lot of things for me.
1: Yeah, I imagine you probably heard a lot of different perspectives because for people who don't travel a lot, I think we, we hear about these different countries and about people who are struggling, but I don't think you really grasp what all that is until you actually see it in person.
0: Yes, that was the game changer for me was seeing it and I can never unsee what I saw. It just changed me.
1: And when you were traveling, you really immersed yourself in the places you went. Because I, I think a lot of people, when they hear travel, they think, oh, I'm going to you know drink a pina colada on the beach. And <laughs> But you did more than just that when you traveled to these places.
0: Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, I still definitely went to beaches and had my pina coladas when they were necessary, <laughs> but... But I definitely tried to immerse myself as much as possible, staying in the local neighborhoods and Airbnbs, staying in hostels where I would meet other travelers around the world. Um, I really tried to talk to locals and interact with them. And I had some really profound experiences when I just said hello to someone or when I just asked someone, hey, what's uh, the best thing to do or see in your city? and Miranda, like it, it was a game changer. Like I got invited to eat Christmas dinner with the mayor of Lagos, Portugal, just because I had befriended her husband in the in the city center. Just these really special moments with people from all around the world where I just really learned even more. I got invited to a, an asado, a traditional asado in Buenos Aires, like and got to learn about Argentinian culture from locals. So, so like it was really special. And I really tried to immerse myself. And by the end of my trip, I realized those interactions with locals and other people, I'm going to remember those moments far more than standing in line at the top, top attraction. So those moments of humanity were my most special moments.
1: Yeah. That is so cool to hear that you got to be immersed in different cultures because we don't always get that in our everyday life.
0: Yeah. and, And you know what I found was it, and it sounds so simple and common sense, but staying somewhere longer allowed me to dig into the culture more. When I was just barreling through a city or a country, you know, it's hard to have those authentic connections. But when I would stay somewhere two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, that's when the magic started to happen.
1: And where, what has been your favorite place that you've traveled to? I know you've been a lot of places. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so my all time favorite place in the entire world, it, it will never change. It It. has my heart for so many reasons. It is Lisbon, Portugal. It is where I started my journey. It's where this whole thing has come full circle. I adore that city. I will live there one day. I don't live there now, but I will live there one day. And that is all time, hands down, my favorite.
1: And so I also wanted to talk about what happened to you during COVID because you you talked about going through this really hard breakup, but then something happened where you met a girl and it was just kind of this you know, way that you don't usually meet people, if you could talk about that, the Airbnb in Mexico.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, what ended up happening with that was during my year around the world, I, I got into another relationship with another woman and that ended up ending pretty badly as well. When I got home, I got home September of 2019. So was going through another you know, emotional time with another breakup. The plan was when I got home from this year around the world was to give myself a few months of grace and then start applying for jobs at the beginning of 2020. And that's what I did. So I gave myself a few months. We all know what happened at the beginning of 2020. Pandemic hit. I couldn't find work. So I was going through a bad breakup, couldn't find job, a job. Um, I was also going through a really hard time of reverse culture shock because I had just experienced something deeply profound and I was struggling to relate to my friends and family the same way. So there were a lot of emotions going through me and uh, what ended up happening, how I met the girl I'm currently dating and how we are currently living in Mexico is I was really struggling to process these reverse culture shock emotions. And we were in the middle of lockdown. You know, No one's allowed out. No one's going anywhere unless it's to get food or gas.
1: The complete opposite of what you've experienced.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so I was craving an in-person connection for someone to tell me like, hey, your feelings and emotions are real and normal and valid. Give yourself some grace. I wanted like that in-person connection. Well, I knew I wasn't going to find it. So I went online to uh, Oklahoma travel groups on Facebook. and I just typed in, you know, travel, local travel groups, found one on facebook groups typed in my question i got one response from one lady bless her heart she said oh my gosh i just spent one week in spain last year and i came home really sad but you know let's connect and i i felt so bad it's like oh, that's not what i'm looking for like you know i just i did a little more than a week in one country like like thank you for your offer but i'm looking for a little a little more so i had to i you knew i had to broaden my search so i, I typed in i went back to facebook groups i typed in something along the lines of long-term travel backpackers or something post copied and pasted the same question i got an overwhelming response from my fellow explorers and nomads saying yes give yourself some grace it is hard embrace it give yourself some grace but also like Be thankful you're experiencing this because you should feel this way after such a profound journey. Because if you didn't, it means it would impact you in the way it should have. And when I heard that, I was like, wow. And so the the guy who told me that, we started text messaging every day for a month straight. He had done a six-month around-the-world trip. And after about a month of going back and forth with this this guy, his name is Ben. I think he got sick of me because I was asking him so many questions. (laughs) <laughs> he said, Hey, I know this other girl. She's very well traveled. You can talk to her about these same things. Let me introduce you to her. Well, that was Kayla. And as the pandemic slowly wound down, I still couldn't find work. I needed to clear my head. I formed this friendship with Kayla. I said, Hey, I think I'm going to go down to Mexico for a few months, clear my head, just lay low. You know, if, if, you're, if you're looking for the same and you want a roommate, like let me know. And she was all in. She was like, Yes. She had lived in Bali for a while and had also had to come home early uh, because of the pandemic. And so we actually just chose a two bedroom apartment in Mexico and we moved down together, sight unseen. And about a month in, I asked her on a date. Two years later, we're still dating and living in Mexico. So
1: that's amazing. And I think I saw on your Instagram, so you guys became citizens of Mexico.
0: Yeah. So we fell in love with this country so much. We decided to get temporary residency. What happens when you a tourist first comes down here is they're given six months of a tourist visa. Well, we were finding that it was getting very expensive and kind of a hassle to every six months buy a flight back to the U.S. and then come back to renew the visa. So we just got our temporary residency, which gives us four years here without having to worry about that back and forth. So we're officially residents of Mexico. It's, it's really special.
1: And I saw some of the photos that you've put on your Instagram in Mexico. If you could talk a little bit about what your experience has been specifically in Mexico, because I I think you were at a Dia de los Muertos event, Mm. and it seems like you've really kind of immersed yourself in the culture there.
0: Yeah, Miranda, I have really fallen in love with this country, the people, the culture. It is a special, unique place that I truly believe everyone needs to experience once in their life. This is my personal opinion. I think a lot of, I will say Americans, when they think of Mexico, they think of Cabo or Cancun or Cozumel. And they usually think of all-inclusive resorts, which are great. That's your thing. That's great. But there's just so much more out there when you step outside of that. And when you really see the authentic parts of Mexico and yes, there are things to be cautious of here, but it's, in my opinion, blown way out of proportion in the media. Like, If you're just smart, not doing things you wouldn't do in any other part of the world, you're going to be fine here. And I have found that to be true anywhere in the world. Common sense usually prevails. And we were very fortunate, have been very fortunate to experience three Dia de los Muertos here, um, the Day of the Dead celebration. And Miranda, it is powerful like to see these citizens celebrate and honor their loved ones is really special and profound i think you know wh- where i'm from you know death and grieving process is very sad and somber which it should be and and there is an element of that here too but There's also an element of celebration and rejoicing for the time they did have with their loved ones and remembering them by setting out pictures of them with their favorite food or their favorite drink and coming together as a family to remember them. And it's just special. I have fallen in love with this place. And I just, I personally believe Mexico needs to be shared and written about for the whole world to see because I have never been moved emotionally as much as I have in this country, and I've seen been very fortunate to see a lot of this world, but Mexico culture is special.
1: And I do want to talk about, like you said, you've, you're in Mexico, you've traveled a lot, and you've actually written about your travels. So you have a book that just came out called Gravel Roads. So what what is that all about and what inspired that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So my, my book is uh, the title, Gravel Roads, as you mentioned. Gravel is a play on words of grief. And travel. So the book is about what led up to the decisions to, to sell everything I own to travel the world. And it details the grief I went through with that you know, bad breakup. And I really dive deep into my mental health and some depression and some things I was really struggling with emotionally at the time. But I also really weave in the travel component too, and how I was just learning so much about myself and the world. The book is here, officially published. I'm so proud of it.
1: I love the cover of the book.
0: Oh, thank you. The cover, I'm so, so proud of it. it. That was a daunting task. The whole book was daunting to write. So to quickly get into that, I i didn't actually intend on writing one when I first set out to travel. It actually just started as a deeply personal catharsis to process my feelings when I came home, and because I was struggling to relate to my friends and family the same way I you know, they just wanted to know the quick highlight. Hey, what was your favorite place? And then they'd move on to other things. I had so much more to share than they actually wanted to hear. It wasn't their fault. They just uh, weren't as curious as I was hoping. And so I just started writing. And about a year later, after I eventually moved to Mexico with Kayla, and I was still struggling to find work, she said, you know what, Ryan, Like, you're not meant to go back into your old life. I think you're meant for something more. I know an editor, a professional editor. Why don't you just hop on a call with her? Because I had finished my first draft at that point. My first draft was so raw. It didn't have chapter titles. It didn't have a title. It didn't have themes, arcs, nothing. It was so raw, but I met with the editor anyways, and I knew within five minutes, this woman knows her stuff. She's the real deal. And so I told myself, if I move forward with this... I need to clean it up for her. I was still on the fence with the book, like, oh, it's not, you know, I should probably go back into the safe, easy way. So I actually kept searching for jobs. I landed two more interviews, thought I was going to get one of the two, made it to the final stage of both. They both passed. I went to Kayla. I said, I'm all in on the book, like, let's go. I turned the first draft into a second draft handed it into my editor, hired the editor. Second draft turned into a third draft, cleaned it up even more, cut and polish, cut and polish. Like, you know, you don't need everything. Started incorporating themes and arcs and chapter titles. Third draft turned into a fourth draft, got a little better, got a little better. Fourth draft turned into the final product. Like it just stemmed from a lot of no's, but also a lot of like just processing and healing. And, you know, it's not perfect, but I'm very proud of it.
1: That's so exciting, and I imagine it feels really good to get your story out there. Like you said, people just wanted to know what was the favorite place you traveled to. So, how does it feel to, you know, really get that raw story out there and really talk about what you've learned through that year-long journey of travel?
0: Oh, mixed emotions. Uh, I'm. It feels really good to get it all out there, all out there. On one hand, just to put my entire life out there, everything I experienced my true raw emotions, it does feel good. Cause I've had some really powerful conversations with friends and family now who are fully aware of why I'm living the life I'm living now. And and it's been really special to have those conversations. Even my father, after he read it, he was brought to tears. He's like, I get it now, or at least I get it a little more. And like, like, this is really good for me to see. Like, so he sees me now, the life I'm living. He doesn't fully understand it. He doesn't fully agree with it. But he gets it a little more. And so that's been really special. On the flip side, it's also been absolutely terrifying <laughs> to put my entire life out there because I'm be- opening myself to judgment, to ridicule, to reviews online. I got my first bad review um, on on the book. I've had overwhelming positive reviews so far, but I got my first bad one and you know, you're gonna get them. Every author says you can't please everyone like, you're going to get bad reviews. The best in the world get them. And I, I got my first one recently and that stung.
1: <laughs>
0: and, and so it's, it's hard. It's hard. You, you know, I'm very excited and proud and it's very cathartic, but it's also really damn scary on the other hand, too.
1: Yeah, I think it's really brave to put yourself out there. Like you said, not not everyone's going to like what you do, unfortunately, and you have to be yeah. ready for that
0: yeah i I have to be ready for everything, and uh, you're you're right. So, but that's kind of how I, I feel it's it's been a mixed bag
1: and I want to talk a little bit more about your travels because I know you've learned so much. I'm just trying to think of where to start. like I have so many questions for you. <laughs> so <laughs> of course, I guess of in general how how do you think that traveling helped you heal? What about it helped you?
0: yeah, i I really love that question. For me, my process of healing with travel was a process. So in the beginning stages, it kind of just was this placeholder that allowed some time and some space to process things. So in the beginning, it was just a placeholder as I was moving through the next thing. I was kind of escaping, I guess. It was kind of this escape route. And I know it's not always the healthiest thing, but I, I truly was using it to escape in the beginning. But I needed that. I actually found I needed that time and that space to process. And then as it progressed, I was going to these more polarizing places. I wasn't going to the resorts and the easy places in the Caribbean or Western Europe. I found myself going to some really challenging places that really opened my eyes to the whole reality of the world. And when I started going to those places and realizing, wow, why is this breakup my worst problem when there are so many i mean i was seeing some confronting things and the more of that i saw kind of the more altitude i gained on the realities of the world the less my kind of problems became and so it started as a placeholder then it became like wow like the fact that you even have a choice to travel, the fact that you're even have a choice to go get another job, like you're deeply privileged and blessed. That helped me heal. So the world slowly became my greatest teacher in that sense. That was kind of how it allowed me to heal in in that process. And then the more I saw, the more I just, I just wanted to give back and help. And so like, it was kind of, my journey eventually came full circle where I just, I eventually even realized, I, I think before I started traveling, I was when I would see poverty in America, I usually kind of associated it with um, like substance abuse or mental health or addictions. I kind of like I would judge those people. you know, you see those people on the on the side of the streets and begging for change, and my, my mind would go to oh, you know, get a job, get an education, like you know your choice, your choice, you have a choice. But then when I really started to see other areas of the world, and I realized how, I'll go back to what I said earlier, like how small and unwise I really am. Like, who am I to judge anyone? And so I, st- I really took a step back. Like, okay, I have never experienced addiction. I have ne- never experienced homelessness. Like eventually what I found was I was uh, volunteering in some of my pl- uh, places I visited around the world. I just started volunteering to feed the homeless and I would go to homeless shelters and just help however I could. So my journey came full circle and I realized, you know what? I I wouldn't have been able to help myself. I wouldn't have been able to help those other people had I not helped myself first. And so even when I was going through a hard time, I didn't have the added challenge of homelessness or addiction. And so I just really have tried to throw out all sorts of judgment because we don't know what anyone's going through.
1: Yeah, if you could talk a little bit about cuz I think you had mentioned I don't know if it was in your your book or I, I was reading up a lot of stuff about you, but just about how you kind of had these preconceived judgments and stereotypes about places until you actually went to them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like the Middle East is a great example for me. I just I had these preconceived ideas in my head of what the Middle East was like, and I didn't think I was welcome. I thought they all hated Americans. Uh, thought it was a war zone. And again, I I just grew up very sheltered. I didn't know any better, but I was, I was challenging myself to get out of my comfort zone. And of course there are places to avoid. Yes. I'm not going to sit here and say every place in the world is completely safe. Like, yes, there are places that need to be, need to have some caution, but I was finding it was very rare and it was not the norm. And I would go to these places and I would go to Jordan, for example, in the Middle East, and people would just walk down the street and just say, welcome to Jordan. How can I help you? Are you looking for anything? And they weren't wanting anything from me. I I know when some people approach you abroad, they ask you things like they're usually looking for something in return, but in Jordan, it was genuine. They would just say, welcome to Jordan. Or, you know, if I had a question, I was looking for something and I was lost. I still remember this. I was in Morocco predominantly muslim country i was deeply lost couldn't find what i was looking for i walked into this random grocery store pulled out google translate you know showed them where i wanted to go you know most people would you know point you know hey go this way go that way five minutes here five minutes there you'll be there oh no they walked with me step by step 20 minutes out of their way to physically deliver me to the place, and you you just don't see that a lot of times. And so I was just finding this over, and they didn't want a dime from me; they didn't want anything. And I was just finding in these really polarizing places, like wow, I had a lot of biases and preconceived notions that I didn't realize I had, and it was never more apparent for me than in in some of the places I visited in the Middle East. And I was also seeing how devout Muslims are; they they pray five times a day in the out in the public, they don't drink, like they abstain from alcohol. And it just had this really muddied view of of that area of the world. And when I saw it, I was just like, you know what, it's just like anywhere else in the world. And so I would, these biases would just be shattered. (laughs) And it was powerful.
1: I think that's amazing. Because I think a lot of us, we do get these biases from what we hear on TV, or, you know, what we hear on the news. So we don't we don't know until we go there, so I think that's awesome that you have this perspective and you're able to share it now with those of us who haven't been able to travel to these places.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, it 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 was it was very powerful. I, I I know I keep saying that, but it really was. And <laughs> the Middle East really was a special place to me. So I would uh, one of the most powerful moments to me actually was hearing the call to prayer for the first time. And I I just felt something that I had never felt before. So hearing that call to prayer is something I think everyone should hear once in their life.
1: Yeah. I had no idea that they prayed five times a day or that they didn't drink. So yeah. So I'm learning a lot just from you. And I never thought to ever travel there. So I'll have to add that to the list.
0: (laughs) It's a special place. I adore the Middle East. Absolutely adore it.
1: And why should people travel more?
0: Yeah, in my opinion, there's so many reasons. But at the end of the day, I truly believe it fosters this kindness and compassion for people who on the exterior may seem very different than you. And I think it can just shatter a lot of those judgments and biases and preconceived notions we have and just you know, just foster this, this kindness and compassion. That I think The world could use a little more of right now. Uh, There is so much division. There is so much negativity, sometimes even hatred, unfortunately. And I don't think traveling can solve the world's problems or anyone's problems. I just think it might make the world a little more of a kinder, a little more of a more compassionate place when you go back home because not everyone can travel the world for an entire year. I realize that. Not everyone can live abroad. I realize that. But when you do take your vacations to somewhere a little more different than the resorts, and then you go back home, it just something, you bring something home with you that's hard to describe. And it changes you. It really does. It changes you. And it just might make where you're living a little more kinder, a little more compassionate place. That's why I think people should travel and travel to places that are challenging, not unsafe, but challenging.
1: Yeah. I think that the more life experiences we have, the more we learn, the more we grow as a person. But oftentimes yeah. we don't do that because change is scary and kind of going out of that comfort zone is scary. What What was that like for you going out of that comfort zone? And you're probably an expert now at dealing with that <laughs> uncomfortableness, <laughs>
0: Oh, man, I have gotten so far out of my comfort zone so many times and and kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier with the with the book, you know, it's a mixed bag, you know, it's a mixed bag, because when I would get out of my comfort zone, it it was challenging. It was hard. I was I was confronted with a lot of challenges, both internally um, and externally, like figure language barriers are real. And it's hard trying to communicate with someone who doesn't know your language is hard. And you have to use hand motions. Sometimes you have to use your phone. Sometimes you just have to do anything you can to come to an understanding. So there's a lot of challenges. But there's also this element of like, the more out of my comfort zone I got, the more I kind of felt this high, this, this dopamine high of like living on my edge. And I kind of like, enjoyed that it was a rush i was like wow like i'm really far from home and i'm really far from anything familiar and it was kind of like this 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 high that i got i don't know how else to explain it other than that but i really thrived on that high so it comes with a mixed bag for me but
1: i truly
0: believe those uncomfortable moments are what changes us the most
1: yeah i think change is so important and i kind of feel that too i never got out of my comfort zone and then i decided to leave my dream career for something else and you do kind of feel this i don't know this high from from making the change it's scary at first but once you do it you kind of feel invincible like wow i i did this and then it becomes i think a little bit easier
0: i love that yeah that i really resonate with that and the way you explained it is is how my progression was too it just got a little easier got a little easier you know i didn't just when I first started traveling, I didn't just go to Southeast Asia or India or the Middle East on my first trip. You know, it wasn't just like that. It was, it was a steady, gradual progress. Hey, I'm going to go to Western Europe first. Okay, great. I'm going to go to Eastern Europe next. Okay, great. I'm going to go to uh, South America next. You know, it was kind of the steady gradual progression of getting a little more out of my comfort zone, a little more, a little more. And not to say it ever got easy, but it got easier. So yeah, I, I resonate with that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good tip for people who are scared to get out of their comfort zone. Is you don't have to jump into the deep end. You can just, you know, (laughs) dip your toe in the water and then, you know, go from there. It doesn't have to be this big thing at first.
0: Exactly, dip your toe in. Start with somewhere that's, you know, okay. Like uh, a good example for me, or the best example for Americans who want to dip their toe in to the travel world of a little uncomfortable is, is Mexico City. It's right next door. There's direct flights from Dallas and Los Angeles, and most major US cities. And there's a lot to offer there. And so Mexico City is like a good place to just dip your toe in like, okay, it's a little uncomfortable. I, I don't know much about it. I, there's not much English, but like, okay, I, I'm gonna try it out. So it's like, that's a good starting point, I think for a lot of people.
1: And I thought it was interesting when you talked about the language barrier, because I was curious about that, because you're going to so many different places with so many different <laughs> languages. So that that's interesting how you had to kind of work around that, especially when you're in a place you're not comfortable with.
0: Yes. So the language barrier was very challenging at times. I will say that I found most younger people in different areas of the world spoke a little bit of English. And I found... In my opinion, I think it was because it provided them access to better jobs or better education. A lot of young people abroad kind of know for better or for worse, English will get them places that their native language can't. What I was finding was it was the older generations that didn't speak much English. So when I was coming across, you know, someone who was a little bit older in a far-flung part of the world, that's where it got really challenging. And I had to use Google Translate on my phone a lot. I had to use hand motions a lot. Sometimes there was this woman in Mumbai, India, who worked at a jewelry store. I got lost trying to find a bus. Her English was non-existent. My Hindi was non-existent. And I just showed her my bus ticket. And she somehow miraculously knew exactly where to go. She spoke some words in very broken English. I still don't know what she said. And she just said, like follow me. And so I just followed her like, and she just walked me to the bus stop. And then she just waited with me there. She just waited to make sure I got on. And then uh, when the bus finally came, I turned to give her a hug because I was so grateful. And she was caught off guard by the hug. And like, it took her a sec. She I th- she was standing like this for a minute. Like, uh, what do I do? This strange man's giving me a hug. <laughs> and then after a second or so, she finally like leaned in to receive it. But it's, it's hard, but you just have to, I think I, trusted people. Um, I found people who were willing to help organically and it, it just changed my outlook on the world. But yeah, you got, got to find ways to just connect and communicate, even though it can be challenging.
1: That's amazing. I love that because I'm just so passionate about people, which is why I do this podcast. I used to be a journalist, but I've never wow. left the country. So I'm just so fascinated by all of this because someday I do want to leave the country because there's so many people out there, so many cultures that I I just want to meet everybody and, and learn from them.
0: Yeah, say, I'm the same way. I just want to meet everyone, learn everyone's story. Like I I just want to talk to everyone. <laughs>
1: Yes, I love that. And so, so now you guys are in Mexico, and your book has been published. So, so what's next, or what are you working on now? Are you guys working on traveling more?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. So, right now, I'm going all in on this book project. I want to see where I can take it. We've gotten off to a really good start. Um, we have surpassed sales in the first month what all of the blogs and articles said first time unknown authors will not pass in the lifetime of the book. So we had a, we had a really good first month. It's not quite financially successful yet, but my goal is to see where it can go. So I'm going to give myself one year to see what I can do with this. Uh, What I would like to do is get this first book to a point where it gives me enough of, of a financial cushion to write the second, because I actually end gravel roads with right before I moved to Mexico with Kayla, so it actually ends on a perfect place to pick up uh, about falling in love and moving to Mexico. So that's kind of my plan. See what I can do with this to potentially write the second. So that's what's next for me. I hope to write a second book, but but we'll see. I, I can't commit to that yet. So yeah, that's kind of what's going on now. We're gonna we're definitely going to be living here for the next um, three years of our residency. We have about three years left, so I don't foresee us leaving anytime soon. So that's kind of what's next. Just uh, see where this first book project can take me.
1: That's amazing. So you're pretty much like an entrepreneur then.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm an entrepreneur with a single product, (laughs) a single product (laughs) that sells for about $25. So it's hard. It's hard. But um, I'm just, I have to see, I have to give myself, um, yeah, I have to see what's on the other side of this daunting mountain.
1: Did you ever imagine when you were back in corporate wellness that you would ever be an author and that you would not have that nine-to-five job and that you would be you know, doing all of this? Has that ever been a dream in your mind or did it just kind of happen?
0: <laughs> Miranda, I never dreamed this in a million years. I truly thought I would go see the world, come home, and find that next chapter of my career with a with a steady job and just get back into a normal life. I truly was like this is a once in a lifetime lifetime opportunity to not work, see the world, come home, start working again. That was my plan. Never did I envision becoming a published author, living and working in Mexico. I always wanted to live and work abroad, but I didn't know how realistic it was. You know, because you can't just walk into another country and apply for jobs. You know, there there's Uh, rules and regulations in place with needing work permits and all that so like as much as I wanted to live abroad I didn't know how realistic it was so so to answer your question no I never dreamed this it was just these one dot was leading to the next a lot of there's usually a lot of disappointment a lot of those dots were disappointments but somehow it led to the next like okay those didn't work out so I'm going to do X Y and Z and it just kind of just slowly led to one thing after another after another. So a book was never my ambition or a goal but um here I am now and maybe with the second book on the way.
1: Yeah, I think that your story is a good lesson in even though we're scared of the unknown, the unknown can be something amazing that you've never dreamed of like being an author and traveling the world and <laughs> moving to Mexico. <laughs>
0: Yes. The unknown to me is very intimidating. (laughs) I mean, even before I sold everything to travel for a year, it took me a year and a half to muster up the courage to do it. I mean, I was reading the article after article about pros and cons. I, I just couldn't physically decide on my own, mentally decide on my own. And I actually haven't mentioned this in the podcast yet, but as I was waffling back and forth, do I do this big trip? Do I not? Like, just couldn't decide. Uh, my final shove, actually, and that's one of the chapter titles in the book, is the final shove. It was a dear friend of mine, same age as me, grew up with him. He unfortunately and unexpectedly passed away, and that was my final shove. I just like couldn't decide. And then when he passed away, I said, "That's it. Like, th- this." it's now, like I'm going now. And so after his funeral, I resigned from my job a week after his funeral. I bought my one-way ticket two weeks after his funeral. I had sold everything I own three or four weeks after his funeral. Like that, that was like everything that I just couldn't decide until he passed away. And then two or three months after I was gone, I, I was in Lisbon. So,
1: Wow. And was it just the realization that life is so short? Precisely,
0: yeah, it just really hammered home it's now or never. life is so fragile and so precious like i'm I'm young, relatively young, single, no kids, like it's now, go now, and I just did.
1: I think a lot of us we tell ourselves, oh, I, I want to travel, but I'm gonna wait until. I'm making more money or I'm going to wait until this or that, or I don't think this is the right time. But what I've realized from all the people I've had on my podcast is there isn't that perfect time. And if you keep pushing it off, then it's probably never going to happen.
0: 1,000%. I kept pushing it off. I kept renewing my apartment lease for a few more months. I kept making excuses, but once my friend passed away, I said no more because I just knew I would keep making those excuses and and i did it and i'm i'm so proud of it and i'll it's a year in my life i'll never regret and always look back on with fond memories no matter what this book does i'll be so proud of it so just just go now like embrace what you fear the most like be smart about it don't just like don't just like you know be negligent and hurt people and be 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 a jerk about things but like you know start putting things in motion you know and do it sooner than later because one day it's gonna to be too late.
1: Yeah, I feel like in society we grow up with things being so important, but as I've gotten older, I've realized that we can't take the things with us, but we can't take the experiences with us. So yeah. that's something I've tried to focus on more, like especially with Christmas. I'm I'm done with gifts for Christmas. I would rather <laughs> the whole family like get buy an experience and travel instead of us spending money on gifts. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with things. <laughs>
0: I love that. I lo- I'm going to steal that idea. I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I just think that having those memories is so so much more important than getting you know the the newest I don't know iPhone or or whatever.
0: Absolutely agree. Well,
1: thank you so much, Ryan. I've learned so much from you, and I just love hearing all of your stories from your travels. So I'm looking forward to reading your book as well. But before we go. The last question I wanted to ask you that I ask everyone is, what is your favorite quote? Because I think quotes are just so powerful.
0: Oh, good question. Okay. I'm a big quote person. I'm a huge fan of them. I wrote them down in my journal during my journey constantly. One of my favorites that was probably one of the biggest catalysts for uplifting and uprooting my entire life was, I don't remember who said it, but the quote is, one day, your life will flash before your eyes. Make sure it's worth watching. And that to me is really powerful because I just wanted to one day look back on my life and be like, wow, that was a damn good life that I just <laughs> lived. And so,
1: <laughs> no and regrets. That to
0: me is no regrets. And, and that's one of the themes in my book is living with no regrets. So, that's my, my most favorite quote.
1: I love that. And then you out, you just mentioned that you were journaling. So is that something you did throughout your travels? Journaling has been kind of a big part of my self-growth journey this past year. So I was just kind of interesting, interested in what you did with journaling and, and how that helped you.
0: Yeah, it helped immensely. So I, I my family gifted me a really nice leather-bound journal um, a, few, a few days before I left for my journey. And I journaled every day. You know, there were a few days here or there I would miss, but I would make up for it. And do you know a longer entry but i journaled every day and what i was seeing what i was feeling what where i went to and the journaling actually became instrumental in the book process because when i did decide to go back and get serious about the book i had that journal and it brought back these emotions and these feelings and these moments because with a book you want to tell a reader not just the story but you want to tell them why It's important to you, but why it should matter to them. And so I had this journal and most of the journal wasn't, it didn't get too deep or too, too crazy. It was kind of just like my fleeting feelings and thoughts in the moment. But what it allowed me to do when I started writing the book was really dig deeper and tell this reader and myself why it mattered. So the book actually, the writing process was very, um, healing and revelatory for me because it it allowed me to go deeper into my own experience so i highly recommend journaling whether you you want to write a book or not like because you can look back on that one day and like really dig deeper into like and reflect on wow okay why did that time matter so so much to me and how have i changed since then so it, it was very revelatory
1: I love that. Yeah, that's why I started journaling was because someone had had said that it does help to look back on your life and also see how far you've come and the growth that you've had. So I I think that journaling is a great way for for people to also just remember things, because I think we as we get older, we kind of forget how things happen. So it kind of helps remind you of, okay this is what happened. And it's fun to look back on, too.
0: Yeah, and it kept me honest during the book writing process too, because you know our memory kind of warp. My memory kind of warps over time. Oh, did that happen? Did I say this? Where did I go? And so, like having the journal really allowed me to like keep things chronologically and and be honest with the book as well. So it, it was very special.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I'll make sure to leave all of your information in the show notes so people can check out your book and follow you on social media.
0: Of course. Thank you for having me, Miranda. I appreciate your time.
1: It was so much fun to hear Ryan's story. Like I mentioned, I've never left the country before, but it's something that I really want to do. One place that my husband and I really want to go to is Puerto Rico. I've been practicing my Spanish with Duolingo so that I'll be more prepared when we do travel there. And that is one of my goals that I mentioned in my New Year's episode. I'm not sure if we'll actually make it to Puerto Rico this year like I wanted, but I'm hoping that maybe we can fit it in. Funny enough, this is actually the year of travel. I didn't mean for it to be, but it just worked out that way. I'm going to be traveling to a lot of places, not out of the country, but in the States. So in February, I'll be going to Arizona to visit my in-laws and my two nieces. I have not met my newest niece. She was born on Halloween, so I'm very excited to meet her. Then in March, I will be going to Orlando, Florida for a work convention. And while I'm out there, I'm actually turning it into a vacation. So Christian will meet me out there, and we're going to go to Disney World, which is super exciting because we've never been there before. Then in July, I'm going on another work conference, this time to Missouri. And then in September, I'm going to Chicago for my friend's bachelorette party. And then while I'm out there, I'll also visit my brother, who just moved out there. I actually just did an updated episode talking about his move to Chicago. And in that episode, I also updated you guys on a couple of my other previous guests. So if you haven't seen that episode yet, it's episode number 15. There's been some fun and exciting changes that have happened in some of my guests' lives. So definitely make sure you listen to that episode. And then of course, I'm also hoping to travel somewhere with my family for Christmas instead of doing presents. I'm thinking for that trip, we may stay in Colorado though and go somewhere fun like Breckenridge. So we're still trying to figure out the details with that. But yeah, a lot more traveling than I imagined. I've never gone to that many different states in one year. So I'm pretty excited about that. Are you traveling somewhere this year? I would love to hear about it. I'd love to know where you're going. You can message me on Facebook or Instagram at Plot Twist Story. You can also follow me there for extra content. Also, if you're interested in purchasing Ryan's book, Gravel Roads, I will have a link in the show notes. Also, to see some photos from Ryan's travels, you can head to my website, PlotTwistStory.com. Just click on the Stories tab and find Ryan's story. Do you have your own plot twist story that you'd like to share? You can email me. I would love to hear it. Love hearing from you guys. You can email me at plottwiststory at gmail.com or find me on Facebook or Instagram. Before you go, I'd appreciate it if you rated and reviewed the podcast. It really helps me out and helps more people hear about the podcast. Maybe even share it with someone who you think would enjoy it. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Until the next episode, remember it's your story so feel free to hit them with a plot twist whenever you want.